In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Exodus chapter 9, verses 1 to 35. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go to Pharaoh and speak to him. Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and continue to hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will come with a very severe pestilence on your livestock, which are in the field, on the horses, on the donkeys, on the camels, on the herds, and on the flocks. But the Lord will make a distinction between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt, so that nothing will die of all that belongs to the sons of Israel. The Lord set a definite time, saying, Tomorrow the Lord will do this thing in the land. So the Lord did this thing on the next day. And all the livestock of Egypt died. But of the livestock of the sons of Israel, not one died. Pharaoh sent, and behold, there was not even one of the livestock of Israel dead. But the heart of Pharaoh was hardened, and he did not let the people go. Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Take for yourselves handfuls of soot from a kin, and let Moses throw it toward the sky in the sight of Pharaoh. It will become fine dust over all the land of Egypt, and will become boils breaking out with sores on man, and beasts through all the land of Egypt. So they took soot from a kin and stood before Pharaoh. And Moses threw it toward the sky, and it became boils breaking out with sores on man and beast. The magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils were on the magicians as well, as on all the Egyptians. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not listen to them, just as the Lord had spoken to Moses. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh, and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go, that they may serve me. For this time I will send all my plagues on you and your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is no one like me in all the earth. For if by now I had put forth my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence, you would then have been cut off from the earth. But indeed, for this reason, I have allowed you to remain in order to show you my power and in order to proclaim my name through all the earth. Still, you exalt yourself against my people by not letting them go. Behold, about this time tomorrow, I will send a very heavy hail, such as has not been seen in Egypt from the day it was founded until now. Now therefore send, bring your livestock on whatever you have in the field to safety. Every man and beast that is found in the field and is not brought home, when the hail comes down on them, will die. The one among the servants of Pharaoh who feared the word of the Lord made his servants and his livestock flee into the houses. But he who paid no regard to the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Now the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward the sky, that hail may fall on all the land of Egypt, on man and on beast, and on every plant of the field throughout the land of Egypt. Moses stretched out his staff toward the sky, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire ran down to the earth. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt, so there was hail, and fire flashing continually, continually in the midst of the hail, very severe, such as had not been seen in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. The hail struck all that was in the field through all the land of Egypt, both man and beast, 
The hail also struck every plant of the field and shattered every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the sons of Israel were, there was no hail. Then Pharaoh sent for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is the righteous one, and I and my people are the wicked ones. Make supplication to the Lord, for there has been enough of God's thunder and hail. And I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I go out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be hail no longer, that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were ruined, for the barley was in the ear, and the flax was in bud. But the wheat and the spelt were not ruined, for they ripened late. So Moses went out of the city of Pharaoh, and spread out his hands to the Lord. And the thunder and the hail ceased, and rain no longer poured on the earth. But when Pharaoh saw that the rain and the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned again and hardened his heart, he and his servants. Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he did not let the sons of Israel go, just as the Lord had spoken through Moses. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated. The title of today's sermon is False Repentance. As we have discussed in our retreats, and once in a while I discuss here, the word repentance means a change of mind, a change of perspective, especially towards sin and your view of God. No longer your own view, but right now what does Scripture say? No longer what we think, but what does God say? We must understand that Exodus was the birth of the nation of Israel. Since Abraham, God's purpose was to build a nation. He promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The nation would be Israel. And through Israel, the Messiah would be born, Jesus Christ. But before that could happen, they must first become a nation with laws. They were not yet a nation with laws. They were slaves in Egypt. So God called Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt and into the promised land, Canaan. For that to happen, Moses had to confront Pharaoh. But Pharaoh would refuse to let God's people go. However, God would use Pharaoh's stubborn heart to show his power. Remember that God was introducing himself to the nation. Previously, more than 400 years before this event, he revealed himself to persons like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But now it was to the whole nation, therefore it had to be public and against the most powerful man in the world at that time. God sent several plagues to Egypt, blood, frogs, lice, and flies. He would send death to the livestock of Egypt, boils on people and animals, and hailstorm and thunder. Pharaoh would seemingly agree to submit to God, but Pharaoh would change his mind after he gains relief. And today, our focus is on false repentance. Of course, we preach what God did and what God does, 
but we also want to focus on this person, this very interesting character in the Bible, one who first hardened his heart, and in due time, it was God who hardened his heart. Remember, it was not God who first hardened his heart. It was he first who became stubborn. And part of the judgment of God is to release you in your stubbornness. Remember in Romans 1, as we discussed, part of God's judgment is to remove the bricks. So people get more evil so that they will incur more judgment in the future. That is part of God's way. Not always. There are times he sends instant judgment. But sometimes he allows our stubbornness to persist because he has a purpose. And in the good times, God would still save people. Like Moses was stubborn at the start, but then he changed his mind and followed God. Remember the dialogue he had with God in the burning bush. He would not agree to be used by God as, a, as his spokesman, as his prophet to Pharaoh. He had many reasons, and the main reason is, I am not a good speaker. But he changed his mind, that is repentance, and followed God instead. Let me highlight a few things in, 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 in the text we've read. Number one, God distinguished between his people's livestock and the Egyptians' livestock. You see, even our animals, our source of living, God makes a distinction. And I believe that, that once we offer what we do to the Lord, and once we truly fear God, submit to Him completely, He makes a distinction between you and the others. The Holy Spirit is the marker, as we have studied in Ephesians. The Holy Spirit is the marker. And you would know if the Holy Spirit is with you or in you working. You would know because there would be a change from an old heart to a new heart. From an old way of living to something new, which was not there before. I remember when I came to the Lord when I was 15. I was invited in a church service like this, only much bigger. And there was a discussion on justification. The preacher was preaching about how he justified us. That Satan would be accusing us of every sin. And God the Father will be the judge. But Jesus will be the one to take our place and the Holy Spirit would be the attorney. I think a fantastic illustration, although I don't see that exactly in the Bible, but it is inspired by the Bible in one sense, that story illustration, where Satan will accuse us of sin. The Holy Spirit will be our attorney, but the true witness of what he has done is Christ. He would say that I have paid the price of his debt. I have paid for his sin. Therefore, he should not be considered guilty, but rather justified. I was listening, listening to that message and I felt my heart break. And when there was an invitation to follow Jesus, in my heart I said, Lord, I am yours. From that day on until today, something changed within me. That is the work of the Spirit, a change of heart. Because this could either be just another religion for you or the Holy Spirit working in you 
whenever there is genuine faith. So I say to you, pray and ask God, Holy Spirit, change my heart. Give me this, this spirit, become a spiritual person in Christ. Change my desires. One desire I had there was for the Word of God. You see, nobody had to tell me, no pastor had to tell me, finish your Bible, huh? You, you, have you finished your Bible? Of course, I don't use that face with you. I use a smile with you. Have you finished your Bible? And you think of excuses. Try to avoid giving me excuses. Just say, I haven't, please pray for me. Because if you make excuses, you might end up lying to me. And lying is another sin. And be careful not to deceive people. Remember what happened to Jacob? He deceived his father for a few minutes. He ended up paying for that for 20 years. So don't lie to your pastor, okay? When I ask you, have you read your Bible? You just say, uh, ongoing. <laughs> One verse per day, ongoing. Uh, I would prefer a few chapters per day. But one thing, there was an appetite, a change in me. There was just this appetite, like, like when you're hungry, you want to eat. It was the same with the scriptures. I felt like every now and then I have to open and read it chapter by chapter. Of course, I recognize that God called me after a few years, at least a year after me giving my life to him. I just saying, Lord, I repent of my sins. Saying, I'm just saying, I want you. You are now in command of your life, my life. I belong to you because you have made yourself belong to me through the cross. It was a simple decision, but there was a change in me. And that change was not brought about by human discipline. No, the desires changed. It is the work of the Spirit. So when the Bible says you have been sealed by the Spirit, one thing you would know, there is a work within you. Of course, the devil will always try to tempt you, and your own flesh would try to tempt you. But you know that the Holy Spirit is there. That's why we must be praying for every spiritual blessing. I pray that when you pray, it's not just about material things or emotional things that you need. Most people come to God because they need something. We must come to God because we want Him. There is a difference between wanting something from God and wanting to build this relationship with God. Right? Do you know, parents, right? Isn't it a joy when your children just want to be with you, right? And they're not asking for anything. It's not after being with you. And by the way, uh, I need something. <laughs> and uh, well, because it's our role to provide if we can and if it will do them good, we try our best to provide because God has put that in our hearts. However, it would be a great joy if they just are with us for the sake of fellowship. You see, my friends, that feeling that God has put in every parent is the same as God, even much more, because he created us in his image, and that's part of the image, wanting to care for those who has he has given to us. 
And God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I pray, my friends, that you distinguish yourself from everybody else. How? The word of God and the spirit of God. It works together. The word of God and the spirit of God. You cannot say the Holy Spirit said something to you when it's not aligned, aligned with the word of God. No, it's not the spirit who came to you. It's the spirit of the demon, okay? But if it's from the word of God and the spirit gives you a desire for the word of God, to live it, to share it, I believe that is the work of the Spirit. I remember John Wesley once said he was already a minister. He studied in a Bible college, and he has been preaching. But one time he met this group of missionaries called the Moravians. The Moravians were a missionary church led by Count Zinzendorf. When he met these Moravians in a, in a, in a ship, and they shared to him the word of God, even though he already studied the word of God. According to him, he studied it based on his human intellect. But there was not a spiritual transformation yet. Until he listened to this group, and this group shared to him the gospel again, which he already knew. But somehow this time, something happened within his heart. And from that time on, he was a transformed man. Still preaching, but there was a difference. I pray today that you would distinguish yourself from the world. You will distinguish yourself from everything that is ordinary. Because once you consider Christ, once you submit to Christ, once you repent and have faith, and if it is true, and if it is genuine, one thing that will be sure is the work of the Spirit in your life. Suddenly you hate sin. You're not perfect. Sometimes you fall, but you hate it. You just don't like it. And if ever you do commit because you've committed a sin, you just don't like it. There's a different emotion right now. It's different. Not because of the consequences, just because you know you did something wrong. Then you come to the Lord and say, cleanse me, forgive me, O Lord, of my sins. So God protected the Hebrews. Moreover, he also protected their livestock. Well, livestock is an important resource for their livelihood. What is your livestock today? Is it your work? Or is it a business? Or is it literally livestock? I have literal livestock in the farm. And I have sad news. King George passed away. Yes, almost a member of this church. <laughs> King George, for those who do not know, is an Anglo-Nubian goat who is quite tall. When he stands on two feet, he is taller than me. That's how. So people from, from, from my barangay, when they come in, that's not a goat, they say. I said, that's a goat. Look, that's a goat. No, that's not a goat. No goat is that big. No, there are goats that big. You just haven't seen one. So it, was, it would become an, a, a short argument for some, but it was really a goat. It walks like a goat, talk, talks like a goat, but sometimes acts like a dog. Because when I call him King George, he would come running like a dog. And he would want to be greeted, and I would greet him. 
Ah, now all I have are my selfies with him and my pictures of him. <clears throat> but I'd like to believe that God blessed that livestock. We had problems with that livestock like any other. Until one time, it just kept failing and failing and failing. And you know what I did? I changed the vet. When I changed the vet, it began to succeed. Um, yeah, sometimes it's the people leading it, right? So when I changed the vet, and then the vet said, no, it should be, the housing should be this way. It should be dry always. Use air drying. So we created a different house, a less expensive house. And uh, they survived and they flourished. Of course, God also gave us sheep. And the sheep, I have less problem with sheep. And that's, in Matthew 25, let me just stay away from, yeah, drift a little bit from the sermon. So don't put this as part of the exposition. But in Matthew 25, there were the sheep and the goats. You know, and the, the goats were those who, who had to be judged by God. The sheep were, were, were not judged by God because they, they, they lived right. So the sheep and the goats, and you know, it is observable that uh, a sheep is more obedient than a goat. Uh, goats will even fight the, the ones taking care of them. Uh, like the other vet I told you, he would love, you know, he would love starting a fight with King George. He's just having fun. He would like just to do this. When he does that, King George would reveal his horns, getting ready to fight. Uh, don't, don't get the, the goat angry. He might attack anybody who comes here. Uh, but the sheep, no. They, uh, they love their shepherd and uh, they know the shepherd is watching. And they're very obedient. According to my people, they're more effective grass cutters than goats. They're very clean. Uh, goats eat here, there, and everywhere. Sometimes some Christians are like that. They're like goats. You know, they jump from one church to another, finding a pastor who would agree with their sin. Um, you can leave this church because I don't like goats here. Okay? Uh, if I tell you God's word and then you fight me, I said, it's God's word. Don't fight me on this. Okay? If you do that, I think you're, you're a goat. I submit myself to God's word. All of us submit ourselves to God's word. If somebody tells me God's word and I need to be rebuked, I have to submit to God's word. Simple as that. The sheep and the goat. So anyway, let's go back to the study. So I'm praying that, Lord, give me sheep in GCF Naga. Amen? God is good. But what if I'm a goat, Pastor Ed? I'll just cut your horns off, okay? Uh, hopefully you will have a sheep's heart. So God distinguishes. So I believe in whatever I do, whatever we do, whether we eat or drink, we should do for the glory of God. And that includes our livelihood. That includes our business. That includes our work. Whatever we do, we say, I'm not doing this for men. I'm doing this for God. I'm not just doing this for my customers. I'm actually doing it for God because God wants me to be an honest person. So I will take care of my customers. I will do what my boss says, and according to the job description given to me, I will do it to the best of my ability because I'm doing it for God. Not as to men, but as to God. Because I'm doing it for God, therefore. So, if you dedicate your business to God, I do believe God, by His grace, will distinguish it from everybody else. I'm not saying you will not go through trials. You will go through learning moments. 
Do you know that God brings trials to us to make us learn and to strengthen us? It gives us wisdom. And many times I want to thank God. The times I failed, I thank God that it was in a small scale. There's some failures you don't want to happen in a large scale. For example, you don't want a large business that suddenly it fails. You don't want that. So you want to get all the wisdom you can get in the small scale. And don't be afraid because God is giving you the wisdom. If ever you make mistakes, learn from it. And then you have to move on and trust God. Number two, Egyptians who feared God were spared. But those who did not suffered. When Moses said, there will be hail with fire. Can you imagine the hail with fire? Amazing, right? Sounds like a volcano with many rocks. So Egyptians who feared God were spared because those who heard, there was at least one who heard about what's coming. And he said to his servants, get all the men in and get all the animals in. But those who had no regard, that's what the Bible said, who had no regard for God's word, it suffered. So, even some of Pharaoh's officials started fearing the, the word of the Lord. I believe in that. Even though how stubborn someone is, some people around this person might somehow see God already in action. Some of Pharaoh's officials heard the word of the Lord through Moses and Aaron. They learned that it is better to heed the Lord. So I, be, I believe it is better for us to heed the Lord, to follow what the word of God says, to follow the Lord in everything. And number three, let us discuss this false repentance of Pharaoh. You see, Pharaoh admitted that he was wrong. I have sinned, me and my people. He acknowledged that God was righteous. You know, almost like a true repentance. God, you are righteous. I am a sinner. Sounds true. It sounds so true. Then he begged Moses to stop the hail and the thunder. And Moses stopped the plague. But Pharaoh's heart became hard after the relief. So I said, Lord, okay, 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 okay. I'll let you go, but, but stop this plague. Then after some relief, again, you know, it sounds like a lot of us sometimes when we have a need, a desperate need. Oh, Lord, Lord, if you just listen to me just this once, do this for me, Lord, and I will serve you, Lord. So God answers the prayer. Then after the relief, forgotten about God again, drifted away to what? The busyness of life. And it's not always evil that takes us away. It's the little things that take us away from God. I heard this, this story before, though I haven't tried it myself. Uh, the story of the frog and the kettle. Get a kettle, make it ordinary water, not hot, not cold, just water. Put the frog there, and the frog will enjoy the water. But then start the heat. Put it on the stove. Make the heat so low that the frog does not feel it immediately. And before you know it, the frog dies. But if you 
boil water and drop a frog there, the frog will jump out. So it's not the obvious evil things of the world that will get your heart. It's these little things that make you, I'm busy. Oh, I can't go. Then you're always busy. You're making all these little excuses until you are far, far away. And you feel that you're far and it's hard to come back to him. False repentance is... You feel you're sad because of your sin, but you have not determined to change yourself. You have not changed your mind about it. You still want to continue. You just want to make excuses. That is false repentance. That's why even in the New Testament, the apostles warned, beware of false brothers. First John said, they were never among us. Those who left us were never among us. Others said, those who have fallen away, which probably may not be true believers, but somehow they understood. That's why there's false repentance. They somehow understood who God is, in their minds at least, but still have fallen. In Hebrews, I like what the author said. For those like this, he said these short words. It is a terrifying thing. To fall into the hands of the living God. The love of God is true in Christ. It's in Christ. The ultimate sacrifice has been made in Christ. So if you want the love of God, it is through Christ. Not your way. You cannot have the love of God and do it your way. Contrary to what... The news says that somebody said, if God is love, then he accepts a certain kind of lifestyle. The answer is no. Romans 1 says, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness, including that sin. It is revealed against all ungodliness. How can a loving God send people to hell? Well, because you don't understand scripture. That's why you ask these questions. God is love, but he is also just. And before his love was revealed, it was his justice that was first revealed. If you studied from the Old to the New Testament, his justice was clear. To have a nation, a society that would work, there has to be justice. There has to be justice. If somebody committed murder in our society, he must pay for it by the law. To have a properly working society. You cannot say, oh, let's just love him. And uh, you can love him, send him food in prison. But he must pay for what is done. The same way in Christ, my friends. In Christ is justification and mercy and grace. But outside of that is judgment. Application let your repentance be true. Repentance is a change of mind, a change of perspective. It is a 180 degree turn. I heard a pastor so excited to preach. He said, it's 360 degree turn. I said, you end up where you started, right? So uh, it's 180, eight turn around, eight turn around. 
from here to here, from here to here. Turn away from the sin. Turn away from that perspective. Determine with all your heart to submit to God and do it with all. Do it from the heart. If we turn away from sin, but it's not from the heart, then that is false repentance. You have to decide. And when I say from the heart, I don't mean being emotional. It means being determined from within. You are determined from within. Nowadays, when you say about, oh, what does your heart say? They're talking about emotions. We talk about determination. When you say, do it with all your heart, it's a deep commitment of your will to say, I will. Fear God and obey His commandments that you may not suffer from the hand of God, but instead be saved. That's number two. There will, all, there will always be consequences when one disobeys God. But I warn people, sins committed by yourself, well, we're not happy with any sin. But what is terrible, I'm not saying there's a bigger sin and a smaller sin, but a terrible sin for me, not bigger or smaller, all have sinned and fallen short, is when you involve others. That's why I say, Pastor Ed, please pray for me. I have lust in my mind. I'll pray for you. And do this. I advise certain things to avoid that. But then on the other hand, when he says, I've committed something with another person. Okay, that's serious. Because you involve somebody else in your sin. That's serious. We really have to cut the ties. Cut it. Cut it now. Side with God, number three. Because he knows who his people are. So ask yourself this, do I belong to him? Do I make a commitment to belong to him? Yes, the Bible does say black and white. There are gray areas. In the gray areas, we are gracious. And I'm very gracious in those gray areas. But I say, watch your heart if you have sinned. But black is black, white is white. Where are you? Have you committed to follow Jesus and follow him and him alone? Or do you still commit to your own ways? Side with God, my friends. Even if you hide, even if we meet together and you look like a Christian, and you are treated like a Christian, but God knows if your heart is true. Remember when he chose David in the family of Jesse? Uh, there was this big guy named Eliab, big brother of David, tall, muscular guy. And Samuel, who, who was also impressed with the external, like all of us, we are still impressed with some external. Uh, he said, this is God's choice, definitely. Tall, muscular guy, deep voice. The deep voice wasn't in the scripture, it's just me adding drama to it, deep voice and everything. He's God's choice. And then he asked Jesse, who else is there? One after another. And uh, is this the whole family? The father forgot the youngest who was taking care of the sheep. Because in his mind, it's impossible to be David. He's too young. And he smells like sheep. I cannot present him to, to this noble prophet. 
this honorable prophet. Well, Samuel never claimed nobility, but he was the closest they have to nobility because they respect him as judge. Is there anybody else? Because Samuel did not hear God's voice, the Spirit of God, say to him that this is the choice. Is there no one else? Oh, there's one more. Hey, you, call your youngest. So come in, David, smelling like sheep, smelling of sweat and sticky, probably smells like dung also. And then of all the externals opposite from what humans see, God spoke to Samuel, this is him. This is him. Him. Who's him? Him who has a boring job but worships me every day. Him who, who's just watching sheep but when there's trouble, he fights for the sheep. Him who does nothing but practice hitting a leaf with a slingshot. Perfect. For one day, he will be my warrior and he will be my king. So if you have a boring job, just worship God, all right? Have a good heart. Remember, it is God looks at the heart. God looks at the heart. The key is have a heart that God wants. Not like Pharaoh. Yes, 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 okay, okay. Because of your suffering, you come to God? No, come to God because he offered salvation through Christ. Come to him because he offered it. That's it. Come to him because he is God. He is creator because of who he is. Not because you need something from him. Lord, help me. That's good. But I'd rather hear you more. Thank you, Lord. I praise you for who you are. I love to learn from you, Lord. I'll do everything to know you more. Oh, Paul said after 21 years of ministry, Galatians, that I may know him. Huh. 21 years of ministry. A rabbi, a PhD, a Pharisee. Considered one of the apostles. One who knew God deeply said that I may know him after 21 years. Some of us only been here seven years. You think you know the Bible a lot already? Oh, you know the surface. Humble yourself. Let us be humble like Paul said, that I may know him after many years, that I may know Hindi. Oh, I know that already. That is a stubborn heart like Pharaoh. Stubborn heart. And before you know it, if God judges you, your heart will be so hard that the seed of the word, you're like rock, you know, soil that is so hard, seed will have... Find it hard to grow there. will never grow because it's like the road. So what do farmers do? Farmers soften it up. Right? Soften it up. Right now it's me mechanized tractors. Before it was just the carabao. The carabao. Pulling the plow. For what? To soften the soil. I hope, my friends, your heart is not as hard as the rock or as hard as the pavement outside but your heart would be soft to listen to God. That through faith in the word of Christ, we may become a friend of God, no longer enemies. If we are stubborn and if we resist God's word, we become his enemies. So friends, let us be God's chosen vessels to do his, fulfill his word on earth.
And I'd like also to call out those who we think Christianity is coming to church. Very much like the religion of the Middle Ages. Until today, it has been passed on. That this is just a, a weekly thing. No, friends. We are on a mission. Be like Moses. Go to Pharaoh. Tell him, let my people go. But this is really God saying to us, speak to those you know. Tell him about God's word. There was this brother yesterday, and he said to me, he, he's not that long with us, maybe two years. And he went through Roman Road 1, 2, and then Ephesians. And he was saying to me, I understand now. I understand, because he's been trying to analyze line by line the Bible. And he said, I'm having a hard time, really. Line by line, it was really difficult, because you didn't understand the context. When I shared from the context, it became clear to you. And you know, he started sharing to some of his friends. Uh, friends who, who are not familiar with the Bible. He told them about Romans. And the difference is, <clears throat> works does not save us, but faith does. But of course, after that is sanctification, a holy life. Then we will come to glory. He shared, I believe he shared some of it. He did not share exactly the details. But you know what he said, Pastor Ed? Is that possible to do Roman road for non-Christians? Ah, I said, that's a nice idea you have there. Maybe I'll try it. Because some might be seeking, and they're seeking the word, what the word says. But what I am amazed is this brother who had the courage to tell others and he is clear in himself that it's different now, from before to now. So I ask you, is it different now in Christ, or it never was different? That is for you to answer. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray for genuine repentance, that our minds would be truly convinced that we should be rooted and grounded in your word. We pray, Father, that our hearts, meaning we are determined with all our being to believe and rely on every word you say. Holy Spirit, come and change us. Allow us to experience this, this spiritual birth. Allow us to experience this new person. Change our hearts. That our hearts would now love God naturally. That our hearts, our, our, our spirits would be hungry for God's word, for the things of God naturally, without anybody telling us. That we would feel hunger when we lack meditation in the word of God. That we would be drawn to the things of the Spirit. So we pray. Let us all rise. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you. May spiritual thirst and hunger follow you all the days of your life. And may you be filled with His righteousness. And everybody say... Amen. God bless you all. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon. Yeah.